you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, I will be reading once again verses 1 through 12. We continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds... He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord, thank you for your holy word. Please be seated. These wonderful Beatitudes week after week, I have declared these Beatitudes, they reveal the character of God. And as Jesus is teaching his disciples on the mountainside, he is is teaching all Christians in every single generation who they are as his children. And what he will produce in and through them. So if you're a Christian today, it's not, will these beatitudes flow from our life? If you are a Christian, the answer is yes, because God will see to it. Our new grace-given hearts as born-again believers produce these beatitudes. They are not of our own effort. They are not of our own strength. The first four Beatitudes, they show us the inward results of God's saving grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn their sin and the results of sin, for God will comfort them. Blessed are the meek or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. These first four are the inward result of God saving a soul. The last four, the last four Beatitudes reveal the outward results of the Spirit of God at work in God's children. Last week we looked at number five. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So you see, the mercy of God flows from the love of God. The receivers of mercy, they are givers of mercy. The receivers of mercy, they extend mercy to others. The first four Beatitudes, they lead to the last four. They build, they connect. The poor in spirit, number one, they acknowledge their need of mercy and show mercy to others, number five. Those who mourn over their sin, number two. They are those who are pure in heart. Number six. The meek. Number three. They are peacemakers. Number seven. 
Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, number four, they're okay with being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, number eight. So look at, look at Beatitude number six, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So those who mourn over their sin, they are pure in heart. The blessed, the happy, the fortunate, the blissful are the pure in heart. So I want to discuss today's verse by looking at and answering three questions this morning. Who, how, and what? Who, how, and what? Who are the pure in heart? Who are the pure in heart? How do the pure in heart live? And what is the end result of having a pure heart? So Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So who are the pure in heart? Remember, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached is located in the Gospel of Matthew for a reason. Matthew was a Jew writing to his fellow Jews, teaching them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Matthew longed for his fellow Jews to be saved. At the time of this writing, the Jews considered their salvation secure, that they were ready for heaven. Many today believe exactly the same way. This past week at Tarrant County College, while sharing the good news, many believe to be in good standing with God, but their so-called good standing, their so-called foundation for that of belonging to God was all about the outward. It was not about the inward. Their works, their self-goodness, how they live, that was why the Lord was going to allow them to enter heaven. Except that is not what God says, that is not what Jesus taught, and that is not what we find in Scripture. This sermon that Jesus taught on the side of a mountain is all about the inward man or woman. Jesus taught that the inward is primary, not the outward. The gospel is foundationally a matter of the heart, not our actions. Man is not in right standing with God based upon their work, their self-goodness, or the life that they have lived. Works, goodness, and character, that flows from the heart. The Greek word used here for heart is cardia, which is where we get the English word cardiac. The heart refers to the seat of the affections, the emotions, the personality and mind, the inner person, the core of a person's being. In short, the heart is the fountain in which everything gushes from. If we were rewind just a little bit, going back to beatitude number one for a moment, the poor in spirit, that flows from the heart. Mourning over our sin, that flows from the heart. Meekness, that flows from the heart. A hunger and thirst for righteousness, that flows from the heart. Mercy, that flows from the heart. Sin, sin also flows from the heart. Anger, murder, idolatry, adultery, theft, this all comes from the heart. The Lord has always been concerned about the heart of an individual. The fall of humanity in Genesis This disobedience was not outward. It was a matter of the heart. That just a single sin is cosmic treason against God. This cosmic treason flows from the heart. Genesis 6 verse 5. 
Yahweh saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What you find here is not that we were kind of bad. It's not that you and I just struggled now and again. No, without Christ, you do nothing but sin. That's who you are. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? A few months ago, I was so proud of my daughter. She was ready for school, and she came out of her bedroom, and she comes into the kitchen, and she's wearing a t-shirt that she purchased, and on the shirt it said, Don't follow your heart. I love that. We don't follow our heart. We don't follow our feelings. We don't follow our opinion. We follow the Word of God to the glory of God. So I want to give you 15 passages that instruct us in the high importance of our heart. So if you're upset that I'm going to be reviewing lots of Scripture this morning, I make no apology. It's only 15 passages There's over 800 in the Bible concerning the heart. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And these words that I command you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall... Talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and it shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Joshua 22, verse 5. Only be very careful to observe the commandments and the law that Moses, a servant of Yahweh, commanded you to love Yahweh your God and to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, to cling to them, to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. 1 Samuel 12, verse 24. Only fear Yahweh and serve Him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. For Yahweh sees not as man sees, Man looks on the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks on the heart. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Over and over again, we are told about the heart. Even this last one, May the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. What is it you're constantly thinking about? In Counseling 101, when you're talking to an individual, you look at them and you say, and you ask this question, who talks to you the most? The answer is you. What are you thinking about? What are you processing? What is consuming your mind? What is taking over? Because where you're treasure is, that's where your heart is. Psalm 51, 16 and 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. 
You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 119, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, and then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 3, verses 1-6. through My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So it's keeping the commandments of God in your heart. So let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Matthew 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we sin, our heart is somewhere else where it does not need to be. Matthew 15, verse 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What a tragedy that God's people can gather together and say the right things with their lips, but their heart is not even thinking about that of Christ. Matthew 15, 18, and 19, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Romans 1, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans 2, 28-29, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of a heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Romans 10, 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Jesus is teaching is that a, what is primary, what is primary about a person is their heart. Our heart, not our lips. What comes from our lips can come forth as truth, but not really be true in here. Our heart, not your intellect. Not being a student of the Bible, being a student of the Bible does not save. The heart, not your works, 
Not church membership. Not baptism. Not a past experience. The heart, what is present, what is a present reality in your life, a present tense. J.C. Ryle used these words. He means those who do not aim merely at outward correctness, but an inward holiness. He says they are not satisfied with a mere external show of religion, but they strive to have always a conscience void of offense and to serve God with the spirit and the inner man. That is why when we're talking about a matter of a heart when it comes to salvation, there is no human being on this planet who can look at any soul and say you're saved or you are lost because only God knows the heart. It's always been a matter of the heart. Sure, man can look at the outward things and see if they see fruit, if, if, if they know, but only God truly knows. God is concerned with the heart, but what does it mean to be pure in heart? Reminder, this is connected to Beatitude number two. Blessed are those who mourn, those who rightly understand their sinful state before a holy God are blessed and they mourn their sin before God. Here is how they connect. Those who mourn their sin before God, they are pure in heart. The pure in heart are those who have an inward, sincere faith. An inward, sincere faith and love for God. A moral uprightness. A cleansing has occurred in those who are pure in heart. They mourn the impurity of their hearts even now. Like as a Christian, we should mourn the sin that's in our life. When it comes to our imperfect living, but when it comes to our justification, they are single-minded, they are no longer divided, they having their hearts set on nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. The pure in heart are set on glorifying God, imaging Him and enjoying Him. Psalm 24, verses 1-4. through The earth is Yahweh's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas, established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of Yahweh? Who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Acts 15, 8 and 9. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us, and He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So the pure in heart are those who have experienced the mercy and grace of God. The pure in heart, they mourn their sin before God, having faith in Christ for their salvation. So the big question for you and I this morning is, are you pure in heart? Question two, how do the pure in heart live? How do the pure in heart live? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God The pure in heart are those who desire to live holy lives, keeping the commands of God, imaging Him. 
I've never met a true Christian who would verbally say, you know what? I belong to Jesus. I do not want to image Him. The pure in heart live pure lives. In other words, it is a heart pumping with moral uprightness. That Jesus is teaching who His disciples are. Who they are. At their core. At their heart. And they belong to Him because they are His. And what springs forth from their heart is a fruitful life that pleases Him. The pure in heart live with God in mind. Like the songs that we sing, the scripture that is read, the prayers that are said, it's meant to stir our affections for the Lord and praise the Lord. The pure in heart live loving God. You want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The pure in heart live knowing the Word of God. If you're a Christian and you don't desire to know what God has said, you need to ask yourself, am I really a Christian? The pure in heart go to God in prayer. Can you imagine saying, I belong to God, but I don't want to talk to God about anything? I don't want to come before God adoring Him. I don't want to come before God confessing anything. I don't want to come before God thanking God for anything. Shoot, I don't want to come before God saying, Lord, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about this. I need you. Can you imagine saying, I belong to the Lord, but I don't want to talk to Him. They go to the Lord in prayer. The pure in heart live obeying God's Word. Walking by the Spirit, the pure in heart gather with the church. Because there are days in which you come into this building and you don't want to be here. Welcome to the club. And you know what? You need other people to spur you on. You were never meant to walk this faith alone. Are you kidding me? We need each other. Like, we need to be spurred on and moved to love and to good works. We need to be encouraged to obey the commandments of God. We need each other. The pure in heart gather with the church. If you don't love whom Jesus has purchased, I doubt that you love Jesus. The pure in heart, they use their gifts to build up the body. They don't want to see the body continue to struggle. They want the believers built up and struggling less. That's what a father would want for their child. That's what a mother would want for their child. That's what a a husband would want for their spouse. That's what a wife would want for their husband. I mean, you want others built up and encouraged. The pure in heart are concerned about the commands of God. I'm concerned when I hear Christians don't know the Ten Commandments. And then they tell me they keep them, but they don't know them. Like We should be concerned about what God has commanded in Scripture. The pure in heart are concerned for and take action in reaching the lost. It is not enough to pray for the lost. If we are around the lost, we should be sharing with the lost. The pure in heart take action with those that are lost. The pure in heart are focused upon today and living according to God's Word today because they may not have tomorrow. The pure in heart serve God. To be pure in heart is to be pure throughout. They follow God. They live with single-mindedness before God and around others. 
The pure in heart are hungry for personal holiness while their faith rests in Christ alone. I will admit to you freely and openly and with great boldness, I am not who I want to be this morning. There are things in my life in which I want to mature in. There are sins in my life that I do not want to commit one more time. There are struggles in which I want to move past and to move forward. As a believer, I long to see Christ, but as long as I'm here, I also long to image Christ more with every day and every breath in which God has given me. To be pure in heart is to be pure throughout. The pure in heart also live this life hating sin. Living a pure life includes hating that which God hates. They hate their own sin. They hate the results of sin. They hate the sin that is around them that touches their lives and the sin that is on display in our culture. Proverbs 6, 16-19, There are six things that Yahweh hates, seven that are abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Like the Lord, the pure in heart, they hate exalted eyes who are so proudful and boastful, thinking that everything is about them. They hate lying. They hate hands that shed innocent blood. They hate hearts that devise and come up with wickedness. They hate feet that run to do evil. They hate false witnesses and those who sow discord among the brothers. The pure in heart, they live according to the word of God, imaging him. This is how the pure in heart live. This is their pattern of life. This happens because God does not justify a person. He sanctifies a person. He purifies his children. The pure in heart, they grow in obedience to pleasing God. It's not just they hate sin all the more and then they're consumed with something else. They hate sin all the more step by step and in the hating sin, they embrace obedience. So how are you living, dear child? Because God sees you. You may have everybody else in this sanctuary completely fooled. You can have your parents fooled, teachers fooled, pastors fooled, but the Lord, He knows your heart and He sees your heart. Are you living a pure life before the Lord? In question three, as these questions increase in importance, what is the end result of having a pure heart? If you're here this morning and you're like, I really don't care about what you're saying about the heart, number three is really important for you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. John MacArthur said, Intimate knowledge of and fellowship with God is reserved for the pure. The pure will see God in the here and now, with their grace-given faith, and they will see Him with their eyes in the life to come. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. 
Leon Morris, I loved his words this week. The pure in heart see God in a way that the impure never know. So it's not just that they can't, they can't even mentally grasp in knowing what it means to be pure in heart. The Christian, they get to not only understand it mentally, but they get to experience it. He says, the pure in heart see God in a way that the impure never know. But the main thought is surely eschatological. It points to a vision too wonderful to be fully experienced in this life and will come to its consummation in the world to come. So as Christians today, we see the Lord. I saw the Lord all weekend. I sat on my back porch and I looked out among the clouds and the trees and the grass in nature In history, we see the Lord. We sense the nearness of God in our lives in difficult times. We enjoy the Lord as we read His Word, as we pray. We have moments of being overwhelmed with the truth that God has opened to our lives. Overwhelmed with His holiness. Overwhelmed with His love. Overwhelmed that we can come before Him confessing our sins. As Christians, remember, we are the poor in spirit. We are the ones who mourn. But we are also the pure in heart. And the pure in heart will see God. 1 John 3, 1-3 See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears... We shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. So the redeemed shall see the Lord as He is and they shall be like Him. They will be glorified. Revelation 22, 3 and 4, No longer will there be anything accursed. Amen. No longer will anything be accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. The pure in heart will one day see God. So it begs the question, what does this seeing God entail? What will our eyes behold? What will our vision include? I mean, Moses asked to see the glory of God, and all that he was allowed to see was God's hindquarters, His back. Most edifying words of my thoughts this week were by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this, The very being of God is so transcendent and eternal that all our efforts to arrive at an understanding are doomed at the very outset to failure. He says, Our terms are so inadequate and our minds are so small and finite that there is a danger in any attempt at all at a description of God and His glory. All we know is that there is this glorious promise that in some way or other, the pure in heart will see God. So the pure in heart will see God. And it will not be dimly. Jonathan Edwards added these words, it is a thing truly happy to the soul of men to see God. Having a pure heart is the certain and only way to come to the blessedness of seeing God. Then they shall see Him as He is. Their light 
which now is but a glimmering, will be brought to clear sunshine, that which is here, but the dawning will become perfect day. You see, the longer that you walk with the Lord as, as God's children, no matter how you are, how old you are, no matter what, when He saved you in, in life, there is this dimming, and we are awaiting the dawn of the full day. When we will behold our Savior, and there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache, no more confession before the Lord, for we will see our Savior as He is, and we will be as we were made to be. The pure in heart will see God clearly. So what does the Lord do to His children? The Lord justifies His children. The Lord sanctifies. He purifies His children. And one day they will be glorified. And upon that glorification, we shall behold Him as He is. What about those who are not pure in heart? They will not see God, for they are corrupt and dead in their sin. They will not enter heaven. They will continue to hate God as they are sent to hell. They will hate God all the more while God's wrath continues to be poured out on them. Yes, I am dividing the line extremely clear. You are pure in heart or you belong to Satan. The pure in heart will enter heaven. Those who are not pure in heart, who are dead in their sin, they will enter hell. And if you're here this morning, don't think about, I I have time to concern myself about this in the future. Maybe. Maybe not. You're not God. You don't know when your last day and your last moment will be. Heaven is real. Hell is real. When you die, you face judgment. When you die, you will not have a conversation with God. The pure in heart are those who have an inward, sincere faith and love for God. And the one who knows that is you. The pure in heart have repented of their sins and put their faith, their hope, their trust in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. The pure in heart live according to the word of God, desiring to image him. The pure in heart, they will see God. So is your aim outward correctness? Is your aim so that everybody around you sees with what they see with their eyes and says, you know what, I think that person belongs to Jesus. Or is your aim from the heart? Is it inward? Is it an inward holiness that you desire? Not for positional holiness. Positional holiness is all about God's grace. I'm talking about your personal holiness and how you live. Do you desire to please the Lord with how you live? Is your heart pumping for the Lord? Or are you really good at just having an external show of religion? Because if you're a Christian, you know what that is. If you say that you're a Christian and you've never had an external show of religion, shame on you. We all have. We've all put on the cloak and dagger and we've all put on the face mask and before somebody and acted like, yes, I am faithfully serving and worshiping God and our heart is so far from the Lord. Only the pure in heart will see God. I'll close with 1 John 3, verse 3. 
And everyone who thus hopes in Him, in Christ, purifies himself as He is pure. That has to come from the heart. Has nothing to do with the outward appearance. Has nothing to do with what others see. Has everything to do with what God sees, and that's from the heart. So I don't know where you are this morning, but purify your hearts and go to the Lord. If you're a Christian, purify your hearts and go to the Lord. Confess your sins, get right with God, and continue to march forward. If you're lost, Jesus Christ is your only purification. That plain and simple. Purify your hearts, go to Christ. Father, I thank you for the promises that you give us in Scripture. That we don't have to sit back and we don't have to wonder, Lord, you've worked so amazing in history. I wonder how you're going to work in the future. Lord, we already know. Thank you for your promises that you give, especially your promises about what is to come. That the pure in heart will see you. What an amazing truth to us to focus upon that, Lord, whatever comes in our life, whatever sickness comes, whatever trial and temptation comes, Lord, that those who are pure in heart, those who have a relationship with you, they will see you, which means glorification is on the horizon. Father, help us as your children to think about glorification more and more. To think about how am I living a holy life before you in the here and the now. Lord, help us to remember that our life is but a vapor. How dare us think that we have more time when we don't. How dare us think that I can do what I want today and just I'll serve God tomorrow. May we serve you now. May we love you now. May we worship you now. May we be about your commandments right now. Thank you for the promise, the truth that blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.